0: Slinky game.
1: Are you looking to score? Uh-uh, little brother. I got a natural high, a supernatural high. Oh, you got a supernatural high, huh?
2: Well, look, Eddie Mac don't like no wackos coming through our neighborhood playing that Rain Man stuff, okay?
1: Big bad-ass Eddie Mac Got shit for brains, and that's a fact. <laughs> Are you suffering from negligence? I'll whoop your ass. Hold up, shit. That nigga crazy, man. He ain't shit. This nigga suffering from negligence.
0: Yeah, well, I got bigger problems. I can't get this joint lit, and that's drug abuse. going on everyone i'm Heath and i'm jay you're listening to host of horrors a podcast where we discuss and review horror films based off of predetermined themes of the month jay
2: hey guys so today we have a very very special guest a great dear old friend of mine and <clears throat> emmy award nominated producer because he doesn't like being called anything else jkjk JK. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great great friend of mine a film buddy also he's also black just like me which is also awesome which is a great way to continue with black directors month and i'm just going to put it out here he's awesome so introducing special guest for today mr wendell riley Woo! Woo! Hello. Introduce yourself.
1: hello hello yes i am uh wendell riley i am i am black thank you um <laughs> And it's a pleasure to be here. I love horror. Um, I love film. So this is, you know, if, and, and, and talking about films by black directors um, is actually something that I am diving into this month. Um, I'm actually teaching uh, some film appreciation courses on uh, genre films made by black creators. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm prepped and ready to go.
0: Can I ask you a, a just just a personal question? If you don't want to answer it, that's perfectly fine. Go for it. Go for How it. How much did Jay pay you? Um you were too important to be on this shitty little podcast. No,
1: I am I am actually like a big enough nerd that you all you have to do is say, Hey, we're gonna watch a horror movie and talk about it. And uh I'll show up because I've always been that guy who has weird stuff on his wall, um, weird weird stuff on, on my shelves and uh people usually go man you're kind of strange mm-hmm. so uh being able to to just show up uh in a place that sort of looks similar to where i live uh is kind of cool
0: i appreciate that thank you sir <laughs> so it was like thousands thousands of dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah 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 uh, 15 Jay! 1500
1: 1500
0: all right uh <laughs> what
2: sure we're we watching man sure let's go with 1500 so this movie we watched today <laughs> wow i okay so comparatively speaking a good majority of the movies we watch are from like the mid-2000s right this movie came out before one of our previous movies we reviewed but yet looks amazing and way 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 better way more put together than this uh than this previous movie if you don't know by now i'm talking about how 13 Ghost sucks i and thought you
0: liked that movie i
2: do but it also sucks now that i'm thinking about it jay from a technical standpoint <laughs> it sucks from a story standpoint eh. from a what they say production design standpoint bitch that movie is a 10 out of 10 hey, uh, anyway i just got
0: done watching archive 81 and i swear i swear to you 13 ghosts is a premise netflix needs to adapt just throwing that out there. It's
2: already been adapted, like, twice. I oh, don't think it needs another one. But
0: not good. Look, they just need one good one, okay?
2: Anyway, one good one. <laughs> anyway, so, this movie is way better than 13 Ghosts. It is directed by Ernest Dickerson, which, I, if I remember correctly, is also the cinematographer for...
0: Which movie was it again? Uh, it's Death by Temptation. The film we'll be discussing next week.
2: But... I know he also started out with John... Was it John Singleton? Not
0: John uh, Singleton.
2: No, uh,
1: he was uh, a long-time collaborator of Spike Lee.
0: Spike Lee! Yeah, he also did Juice and uh, that Tells from the Crypt movie, uh, Demon Knight. Yep. God, Billy Zane is so good in that movie. <laughs>
1: and, and a young Jada Pinkett before she became mm-hmm. Jada Pinkett Smith.
0: Yeah, she like... You start off with this old white guy, but she basically becomes the hero at the end of the film. It's awesome.
1: We love seeing heroes here.
2: (laughs) So, (laughs) anyway, what we're discussing today is none other than 2000 or 2001's 2001's Bones featuring Snoop Dogg in... What I think is his best role yet. <laughs> <laughs> and the role that I feel like I'm going to personally, permanently, like, associate him with.
0: Have you seen this film before? Or is no, this, your this first is my time first it?
2: time watching it.
0: What about you? Have, you? have you?
1: I don't know that I have. I thought that I did, but... It a lot of it feels very new to me.
0: God, I love yeah. this movie so much. Mainly because it reminds me of old seventies, like Black Exploitation a little bit with the, the red paint for blood mm-hmm. almost. Like it looks very goopy. Uh comedy mixed with horror, mixed with uh just it's a lot of mood like changes in this film, but it works so great. Not so th- good.
2: Not to be a Negro here, but <laughs> I feel like anything <laughs> i feel like we're always gonna need some kind of comedy in our horror like for me it's like there's always gonna have to be some kind of comedy if anything else to break up the tension that horror movies usually give
0: well they say horror and comedy basically have the same setup as far as writing goes so
2: you know one of them makes you laugh some someone makes you scared some of them both at the same time
0: yeah this movie's awesome I agree this movie's awesome, and it looks gorgeous, like you were saying, like the cinematography and the lighting mwah! top notch
1: yeah, really well shot, and you know what was surprising more than anything else um i so I grew up in the in the eighties, so for me, horror is synonymous with uh latex rubber and uh lots of k y jelly <laughs> and um even though this movie was made in 2001, there was a lot of KY jelly yeah, and and some some really cool practical effects. I um, did
0: appreciate that because, like, the CGI is a little wonky, yeah, It's A little agey, yeah. <laughs> but man, does those practical effects still hold up? Yeah, it looks yeah. so good.
1: Nice, nice throwback, and and there are definitely some callbacks to some iconic. Uh, 80s and 90s horror films um, that we could get into later on. But uh, yeah, it, it looks really great. But that's what you expect with, with Dickerson.
0: Yeah, he's phenomenal. Really good.
2: I think it's also good me being the cam- kind of the camera guy seeing a cinematographer direct because I think you can tell that he had a personal vision for what this film looks like. Mm-hmm. And of course we have Flavio martinez labiano i'm sorry if i butchered that name as a cinematographer but i do feel like a lot of dickinson's um uh, influence as a cinematographer came through in how this film looks and how it's shot and in the majority of the shots uh, that we see in this film so i that's why i think i really enjoyed the most out of it amongst a lot of other things but that's what i enjoyed most out of it
0: oh yeah for sure um so yeah, let's dive into it. So the film opens up with this guy, this this <laughs> this weird guy running in the street away from a dog. And he ends up running up to his little apartment, grabbing his little gun, shoots the dog. The bullet hole vanishes like he basically like wolverines himself and then runs into this creepy little house which to me reminds me of Amityville Horror with just the windows and the door kind of making like a face on the the, the building itself. I thought that was cool.
2: We love a good haunted house. Yeah, it, it
1: also it it reminded me of Castle Skull. but that's, again, that's me dating myself a little bit. But yeah, I mean, it looks like a, a skull mm-hmm. and it just kind of sits in the middle of this empty lot, which makes it more creepy and ominous. I was I was actually thinking if this was an existing building or if this was built on a back lot um or just a facade but i mean it it looks really freaking cool
0: yeah it the, when you can give a building personality just by look alone you know you're doing something right with your film
2: and i think to add on to that is like the it both looks like it fits and it also sticks like a sore thumb yeah <laughs> in like multiple ways because later on after that, it goes into like nineteen seventy nine.
0: Yeah, after after the the two uh, the two oh, guys that try yeah, to score the crack. For, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. See, but okay, back, back yeah, th- th- yeah, that's important, but it's also like,
0: man. Well, it actually is important because uh, I think that's how Jimmy Bones starts out his. Um, I know, but it's his, like his, his uh, influence. It's two white
2: guys like trying to like get some blow, and I'm like, okay, whatever, because. I, mm, but if it wasn't for
0: them running away from the cops and the dog eating them, yeah. I don't yeah. think the house would have had the, the type of spiritual energy when the guys came.
2: OK, so
0: afterwards. so it, it's a little to important for explain
2: Seth. myself, I'm dumb. Sometimes <laughs> I skip forward, trying to push things forward without realizing, oh yeah, there are a lot, a lot of important plot elements, so feel free to tell me to shut oh, up. And, at and, any given time.
0: It also so sets up the crack situation in the neighborhood. I real no, I really enjoyed that. We'll get more into it, but I really oh, enjoy yeah. the the horror of how crack cocaine was for this neighborhood. So it sets that up as well. It does. It does. Um, back to the building, though.
2: That building. Another so thing cool. it
0: reminds me of is Candyman.
2: For you know one what? reason,
0: one reason only, it reminds me of what I call modern day gothic, and it ju- it it's beautiful. So I just wanted to throw that out there a little bit.
2: You know, I have I like that com uh, that that comparison because I'm a really big fan of, of explaining how stuff like you know gentrification and the dilapidation of neighborhoods comes into films because it's like this almost treats Jimmy Bones as if it's a urban like an urban legend like yeah. a horror yeah legend like can't like the c word is like seaman <laughs> is so i think that's like why i like this uh the setting up of the shot and <laughs> all right so i do like those uh little thug dudes though they're funny to me they like oh yeah like i was like yeah no they were some good comic relief though and i was like <laughs> i was like bruh yeah <laughs> but you know, I, I
1: think you touched on something really important. The the idea of uh sort of the mythology surrounding the house and and ultimately uh Jimmy Bones. Um, uh, because that is such a big part of African culture and the diaspora, right? So um oral traditions where essentially you pass down stories uh and this is pervasive uh particularly in Candyman, the original Candyman and the remake. Um, where the story of the character gives that particular character more life. Um, And that that is a a theme that we see a lot in in, uh, African-American cinema, uh, African-American horror in particular, but also in black horror throughout the diaspora. And as you all may have figured out, I have an accent. So I'm not from the US. I'm from Trinidad and Tobago. So, you know, I am a descendant of slavery, just, you know, as, as African-Americans are, but oral traditions are, you know, different intranet, but there are definite similarities as well.
2: Yeah, You know, as someone who's an ADOS, but doesn't really know as much about my past, it's really interesting to hear you say that, because it's like, dang... It kind of makes me wonder what traditions and what oral, oral traditions, what stories, what mythology that we have that's part of the Ashford that got lost to time, especially with you know slavery being a thing. So interesting that you put on uh put on that. Also, I'm glad that you brought up the accent because I can hear you read a dictionary. And it sounds really cool.
1: So just putting it out there. All right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna play this audio next time. I, I just feel like sitting in the room. I'm just sit in the room and play this audio. Just his part. Just his
1: part. This is why I charge fifteen hundred dollars for an appearance.
2: <laughs> well <laughs> worth the money, let me tell you. Well worth every single penny and half my salary. <laughs>
0: So, we move on from the opening scene, which, again, I always champion that the opening scene of the movie tells you exactly what you're getting into with this and film. And you really do. I You know exactly really, what you're getting into as soon as this the movie starts.
2: I really do love the way that the further you, along you got into the credits, the more creepy and dilapidated the mm-hmm. way that the camera shoots the building, the way that it just like it feels like it's starting to burn, the grain is starting to burn. Mm-hmm. And it starts to show just like when you look into everything else that goes on in the movie, it's like, okay, the, the, like the degradation of the film grain equals the degradation of the neighborhood itself. Because look at that. It was bustling. Like it was bustling like back in the uh, day from the looks of it. Like,
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, when, and that's, I love this opening uh, so much, the credit roll, because it shows when Jimmy Bones was in charge in 1979 And the neighborhood is luscious. uh, Like you said, it's booming. It's beautiful. Everyone's out. Everyone's having a good time. And then it cuts from Jimmy interacting with the neighborhood to a guy sitting in the corner and he starts smoking some crack. And from there, you slowly start to see the decay of the neighborhood Mm -hmm. until you get to present day where there is no neighborhood, just the building left and i love that just quick little visual that's visual storytelling without heavy handedness
2: we love we love some social commentary here
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no no but it but it is really well done um and very uh restrained as well and the the cool thing about that is when a filmmaker is confident enough to do something in 2 minutes that another filmmaker would spend like 15 minutes of the film. On, oh, yeah. You know, um, you don't need much more than that to to basically kind of, he just sets the markers and you fill in the gaps in your mind. Mm-hmm. And then you're off to the races. It's okay. great. Yeah.
0: No, I, I love it when a filmmaker allows you to get the story rather yeah. than tell it to you. Totally. Um, and yeah, so now we're in present day and...
2: One last thing. I also like the fact that... I'm sorry. No, go ahead, man. I also really like the fact that it introduces all the characters... Well, I had the vast majority of them like that it's like yeah. you, it like that takes that two minutes to introduce basically the entire cast of that time in mm-hmm. the well so i really like that
0: yeah even if you don't know that you saw the characters because in present day they look different you, you saw those characters in those mm-hmm. in the first two, two minutes so definitely so, um so pres- now we're in present day mm-hmm. um you have patrick Taya and bill their siblings and their friend what was it maurice
2: maurice <laughs> Maurice, man um, man these like group <laughs> i'm assuming they're like either teenagers or like young adults like they got to be at least in like their early to mid-20s like around yeah probably
0: around our age right? i'm gonna say college years yeah um, that's what i'm gonna say so but they they embark in this uh this uh A little business endeavor. project endeavor where they bought the building that we saw in the opening and they're going to turn it into a big nightclub because bill and maurice are inspiring djs Mm. and so patrick tells him look i know it looks crappy and everything but we can fix it up it's gonna be nice it's gonna be awesome goes to open the door as soon as he goes to open the door the door opens itself they get in the van they leave end of movie done uh see no they go inside see, for some reason
2: this is how I know it's fiction because <laughs> <laughs> and
0: no if it was my ass I saw that door open it was like <laughs> alright no I'm sorry investment t- lost
2: let me tell you not the white person in the group being somewhat of a voice of reason like <laughs> not taping. like I don't know about these guys and then Patrick's like it's fine it's fine and then Maurice his tale. He, I, I was rooting for him for maybe like five minutes because he's he saw the stuff that's going on. He saw those like bloody uh marks, and I'm like, come on now, you couldn't say something about those bloody marks down there. And then once they go inside, they see the place. It's like it's already looks like a um what they call it a a picker upper. One of them, one they try to fix her up, and they try to like. Pounty picker upper, um <laughs> try to fix up the place. I'm like, I don't know this uh place does seem like it's a little bit beyond fixing, but no, you know it, what I'm
1: saying it looks like a straight haunted house and and Dickerson and his team they do they do some really nice touches like when they close the door there's like dust that falls mm. uh into shot into frame um it it just has all of the hallmarks of like this is a straight haunted house, y'all shouldn't be here, and I'm sure every. Like, black person in the audience is probably like, why didn't you just get back in the van and and leave? Because this ain't no nightclub.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right, How much work you do? No, just stop it.
2: (laughs) Like, I'm personally here for a golf-style, like, nightclub. Because, like, that's my shit. I'm here for it. But, like, even I know when something's beyond repair like i have I have faith in a lot I have a lot a lot of faith in relationships and friendships that's how a good chunk of my friendships fail but like <laughs>
0: <laughs> what
2: I'm glad that people got a laugh out of that <laughs> <laughs> that goes in the real so i even I know when someone's be on repair, and like the minute that I saw. Like honestly, the minute that I saw the freaking door open, I would have left. But definitely when I saw those little like, what seems to be a cat, we all know is not a cat. Was yeah, it oh, it's a one dog one. or yeah, like yeah, a cat? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. cat bones, and I'm like, um, that's a jaw. That looks like a human jaw, y'all. <laughs> that's a yeah. big ass cat. That's a big old yeah, cat. That like that's a... look like a like a puma. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I would have left. But yo, they kept on going. That. It's a delusion for me. If I want to be real, I'm like maybe I know is I know money talks, but money doesn't talk that loud.
1: Well, that's that's the magic of of uh, movie logic, right? So these characters they they see opportunity, mm. you know?
0: Yeah, because it it harkens with the dad. Uh, I feel like Patrick, at least Patrick, out of all of them, really wants to be like his dad, as far as yeah like, having nothing and making himself. Uh, you know up to something and I, I feel like his whole thing is he wants to prove to his dad for sure that he can do it is what I got
1: absolutely and um you know they they establish him as very charismatic and sort of the leader and people follow him even uh, despite their their instincts right um, they trust him um, and and he's played effectively by uh, Khalil Kane who actually was a Dickerson colla uh, uh, Dickinson collaborates. He actually played uh, in Juice uh, with Omar, Omar Epps and uh, Tupac Shakur. So um, it was fun to see him again because uh, I, you know, I haven't seen him in a ton of stuff since. But uh, he definitely, I think, was good for that role.
0: Oh yeah, no, he. All of them were like the acting for it being the type of movie that it was. I feel like they they did a great job. Um, there's, like, we were talking with 13 Ghosts, I feel like Matthew Lillard read the script and knew exactly how to act, and no one else did. These guys, they did perfectly. Uh, perfect acting, in my opinion. For this type of movie. It was really, yeah, really,
2: really good. the acting was very I will say it's very decent. I hate to say it, but once, uh, Snoop Dogg gets into the picture, I'm sorry, dog, like, he was he was playing himself but we'll talk about that later we'll How talk about else that later play snoop
0: dogg? yeah
1: i agree
2: <laughs> like it almost feels like this movie was written for him specifically no but, and,
0: like whenever people talk about this movie i've only heard a handful of people talk about it this movie but it goes oh yeah that snoop dogg horror film
1: yeah that's it that's no, what bones is and you can tell that they they uh, shot and edited around the limitations of his acting ability. You know, he doesn't really have a lot to say in the film, and when mm. he does, it's very lyrical, very smooth. Um, so catchphrase I catchphrase galore. Catchphrase galore. But <laughs> I think he acquits himself well. He he did a lot better than I thought he would.
2: Okay, I'm not gonna say that like it's bad, but like when his his acting ability is different. I guess I'm gonna say his uh, acting ability is revolved around around his persona of snoop dog rather than <clears throat> you know trying to play you know an act like an actual role mm-hmm. so it feels like a lot of like as they say like a, it feels like an snl sketch but in a very 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 good and elaborated snl sketch it's like they took an snl sketch made it a like a movie and then actually gave it money and that's what sometimes it feels like whenever Snoop Dogg's in the picture. But, like, I don't think it's to his, like, detriment, though. No. It's not to his detriment whatsoever. No. no. But I, I I can tell when they try to... Who, who they revolved or what they revolved around when it comes to this film. And they revolved around Snoop Dogg hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... We're introduced to our main cast. We're introduced to the house. And we're introduced to the the legend of Jimmy Bones, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and Taya. Taya finds the dog. That's it. That's kind of like the catalyst for everything. Other than the opening film where the dog eats the two guys. Uh, Taya finding the dog and giving him the hamburger. That's kind of our catalyst that jump starts everything. I was
2: confused about that one, though. Like, I guess it kind of made sense later on. But it was also like... Since his spirit looks like, with, like, how the camera does it, sometimes with the scene, like, the spirit, was the dog a spirit, like, was the dog just a spirit itself, or was it, I was, like, kind of confused at how the dog was implemented at first, I guess.
0: Here's how I saw it. I saw it as the dog, and, uh, I saw it as the dog as a physical manifestation of his revenge, his vengeance, his spirit stayed on because he died in, in the way that he died. So instead of having a satisfying, or satisfactory death, uh, and he felt so, uh, lack of a better word, pissed off that he got betrayed by people he felt close to, he, his rage manifested and stayed into the home, and he needed a physical outlet to allow his physical body to come back,
1: mm. essentially. Yeah, and and it's it sort of showed the limitations of where he was at that moment because he he clearly ha- had not been uh completely revived um and that is is a theme throughout the film of of him actually sort of um reconstituting through the things that happen in the house um so i see the the dog as sort of like his his uh foothold into our plane of existence and the dog sort of does his bidding is him but it's just kind of like his emissary a little bit mm. um, it it sort of reminds me of um you know if you think back to Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, Dracula takes the form of other creatures but he also has control over creatures so it's that kind of weird line where after a while if you just don't think about it too much you'll be just fine <laughs> you're right
0: actually
2: yeah it it, it kind of gives like manifestation of like i'm not gonna say evil like how you know michael myers is supposed to be like the manifestation of evil at first in halloween but it's kind of more so it's like it's like it it kind of gives like maybe in a way like yokai or something like that yeah. like i don't know why it kind of reminds me of yokai but it does it's like there's like <laughs> there's here's like you know uh, jimmy bones and here's jimmy bones familiar <laughs> just kind of like yeah. like oh, actually, chilling yeah. yeah yeah that's kind of what it gives like is this familiar you said
0: yeah. yokai and i uh, uh, immediately went to um oh what are those little things the raccoon dogs tanookis oh Tanuki. i immediately went to a really fucked up Tanuki. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know what I wonder if Ernest Dickinson was, a, uh, was an anime fan back in the day. I feel like he had the money to be one back in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, we're well, in the early 2000s, because, you know. Um, <laughs>
0: so, the, we got the remaining cast, Bill and, uh, I cannot think of his name. Maurice. Maurice. don't know why I can't think of that. Bill and Maurice, they go out, and they start bringing stuff into the home. They're, they're trying to figure out their, their DJ booth. Um, at this point, we are now introduced to um, Cynthia and her mom pearl
2: man do i love be some pan (laughs) Greer, (laughs) y'all i personally i think she was one of my favorite characters because i feel like i emotionally related to her the most but i'm also like the lover type (laughs) of person so i'm like what the more that gets revealed about pearl you're just like I, girl, I get it. I understand you, I feel you like i I see you, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm like, dang it you kind of makes the hesitance with you know not being around there kind of obvious, especially when you uh they linger on certain shots when especially when it comes to her shop, it kind of makes it i'm not gonna say obvious that she got something to do with it, but the way that I feel like. The film kind of does its foreshadowing it's pretty clever if not like kind of by the books it's like okay you may or may not see it from a mile away if you're not paying attention paying attention but if you're just kind of like watching it like casually it's like oh okay i see what's going on but if you peer more into it it's like you can see the little tidbits of what they're trying to do in order to show you how, like, to push the plot forward without trying to really show it. We're trying to, like, tell you that the plot's moving forward.
1: Yeah. And, and I think she is important for the audience as well, because she is sort of that connection to the audience that gives permission to see Jimmy's humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's very clear from early on in the film that the spirit of Jimmy Bones is a, is a vengeful spirit but what makes the film work is the the slow reveal of his his demise uh when he was human and her character is the one that grounds that the the idea that they were in love and and they ultimately bring it full circle at the end of the film um and Pam Greer I think is a good choice for that because of the fact that she is a very um very graceful actress she she plays things with nuance, um, and she has a fantastic screen presence, and she's gorgeous as well, so okay, that helps. Absolutely. Uh,
2: I think it also helps with Pam Greer that this is, like I said, similar to Blacksportation films, because that's where Pam Greer got her name, is during that era. So, you know, seeing her in, you know, in, an Afro mm-hmm. and all of that, it brings you back. It really <laughs> does bring you back to those times. So... I think Prangria was the perfect choice in order to play someone who kind of bridges that that current gap between 1979 to 2000 uh, to present day. Yeah. And Um. I just now thought of something. I just noticed that uh, Taya, whenever she got the dog, named named them Bones. Yeah. Remember in House... How far did you get in Houseu? If you remember... Or are you okay with spoilers?
1: Go ahead, spoil it. Okay,
2: so remember how, um, whenever was it? Gorgeous, gorgeous got Blanche. the uh, Blanche.
0: Yeah, same thing. Nope, it's got, different. It
2: feels like it's a similar, nope.
0: different because she named him Bones after they talked about the story of Jimmy Bones.
2: Yeah, but it almost it feels it. I guess it's because I'm thinking about it because <laughs> I'm weird. It kind of gives a similar energy. Not the same, but it gives similar a similar energy, energy. But it's
0: not the same because she named Blanche without knowing that the cat's actual name is Blanche. She named the dog Bones simply because of the urban legend. Different. Similar, but different. I mean,
2: before you realize those, you know, it's actually him. Same thing that, you know, it's kind of the cat's like that fucking cat.
0: So I'll, I'll I, let you have it, Jake.
2: Say, so, but uh, <laughs> <Just fucking> you, <laughs> you see what I mean, though. I you see what I mean. But
0: um, we're I, also introduced, or uh, this is where where we see the attraction that Patrick has for Cynthia, and Cynthia girl. in return with Patrick.
1: Yeah. Can I? Can I just <laughs> uh before we get to that? Can Can we go back to the scene with the dog bones? Yeah. Um, not the dog bone, but which one? The dog. Whose name is Bones. The dog Bones. Um, if I opened a door and saw a dog with like glowing red eyes,
3: yeah,
1: I wouldn't offer it my hamburger, right? Yeah. Uh, that, but that's just <laughs> that's just me. But it you know, it's a nice cultural oh. contrast within the film because this is a primarily uh African American uh cast, um, I love the fact that there are biracial characters in there. Um and one of the characters actually refers to himself as post-racial, which is really cool when you think about it. Back in two thousand and one, because now we're still having conversations of about what <laughs> post-racial actually means. But I will say, seeing a creepy animal and trying to befriend it is not something that uh, I think many black audiences sit there and go yeah i get that we always kind of look at it and go what the hell are you doing man but yeah uh,
0: that that's some white people shit i'm just i'm being I'm I can't that see, one guy, i that is some white people shit honestly
2: glad that it was the white girl <laughs> who introduced that con- that aspect up there and i also speaking of the house that aspect i really 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 like this shadow play that this movie employs because holy crap, it just looks the shadows just look so amazing, and the way that they utilize shadows is, uh... Dickinson. I need you to make more stuff, please, because you're doing an amazing job.
0: Yeah, no, he, he definitely he's a great actor uh, director.
2: I I I need him to direct more things because it's like <laughs> more movies, please, please do. Um... I know he's done. A few episodes of The Walking Dead, you said?
1: Yeah, and I want to say he's done some Game of Thrones episodes as well. Um, child, it's probably the check, only good I'm going to check that. I'm going to check that.
2: They're probably the only good episodes of uh, Game of Thrones, because child, Game yeah. of Thrones is
1: rough.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I watched one episode, the first episode of Game of Thrones, and I said, nah, nah. not for me.
1: <laughs> well, he's done stuff like uh, The Man in the High Castle Ooh, that um, is so good. Yeah, um, Raised by Wolves, which mm. is on HBO. Yeah, he's he's been doing stuff. You've seen his work throughout the years. So let's get back to the plot.
0: Yeah. So we, basically, we get exposition as we're walking with Cynthia and her mom. Uh, you got you got uh, Patrick and Maurice. They're helping carry groceries to the mom and daughter's place, mm-hmm. which is a psychic shop. They do tarot readings, uh, seances, palm readings, stuff like that. Uh, the mom says, don't feed the dog because she sees Taya with the dog. Don't feed the dog, so we know feeding the dog is bad now. Um, we know something's odd because the mom doesn't like them being at the house, tells the daughter not to stay, not to go anywhere near that home, uh, and that they should leave if they you know know what's good for them, and yada, yada, yada.
2: And the old dude across the street is all like, what the hell are you doing that damn dog?
0: I love old dude across He's the street. The... Man, I'll... <laughs> He was, hands down, my second favorite character. I loved him.
2: I was like, what y'all doing to the damn dog? Get th- get rid of that dog. Shoot it. And I was like, <laughs> Norm, I'd be like, please don't, please don't shoot the dog. That but was I was like, my- okay, maybe you gotta point them.
0: That was one of my favorite lines is after the guy says, shoot the dog, and uh, Pam Creer Bill- shows up, and it was like, don't feed that dog. Bill's like, wow, people in this neighborhood really don't like dogs, do they? <laughs>
1: yeah i i love too that his the way he engages with the outside world is with his rifle like every time he looks out the window he has his gun in his hand i'm like dude come on
2: man i mean considering all that happens to him i I don't blame him but i'm also like this goes also like kind of shows like certain neighborhoods because like this they show that is is this new york this is new york right
0: they don't really say Yeah, it it's, it's, it's
1: unclear what city it's actually in, which I like, you know, yeah. because, you know, it's like any inner city in the U.S., it, any blighted inner city in the U.S., you know? Yeah, um,
0: you kind of just pinpoint it. Like, if you yeah. want it to be in New York, it's in New York. If that's mm-hmm. what you feel like. So it it's it, nice that way. It's,
2: I guess it's because, you know, no, the whole, like, nosy neighbor kind of thing, that's kind of what he's gives, the nosy neighbor that basically acts out. Acts as if a voice of reason.
0: Well, he also kind of seems like a bodyguard, and, mm. in my sense, like the the guard of the house, because that's all that's there is that one building, and even like the buildings across the street, his where his apartment is, are boarded up, most of them. Yeah. So it's like he is staying there in that dilapidated neighborhood simply to guard that building. And
1: and same with uh with Pam Greer's character yeah. as well, because she's basically like right down the street. So I, I didn't really like the idea that they knew that like evil lived in that house or there was an uneasy spirit there. And whether consciously or subconsciously they ended up staying where everyone else around them left you know i mean she's trying to run this business and they they actually make a joke about it is that you know she can't be that good of a psychic if like this is what this is where she's doing her business
3: Mm
2: -hmm. but it kind of just goes to show like the obvious connection to the house that they have Mm -hmm. which and it, it this kind of gives the same energy as, like, a lot of Haunted House-esque movies, whereas, like, the people involved with things that, with the going on to the house, they have a connection to the house somewhere, and then you have these outsiders that come that they apparently have some kind of connection to, so yeah. it is, that's kind of, I think, where the paint-by-numbers aspect comes in when it comes to the story, but I like the way this. This goes because you know black people so <laughs> so i'm gonna bring that up a lot because like i like the fact that black people are like there's it's majority black cast i love that shit
3: yeah, oh, yeah.
0: um so we move on from there and we go to uh bill teah and patrick's home which is I'm, I'm it seems like either a gated community or a suburb uh, away from the inner city oh yeah because
2: they talk about it talking about with, uh, with the roseman park yeah something and, like that and how yeah, oh yeah talking about how patrick's ba- family basically just moved from there mm-hmm. to yeah. roseman park in order to escape everything going on And i'm like
0: yeah it's revealed I- that the dad and patrick when patrick was real young left that neighborhood mm-hmm. to move there so yeah so it
2: also shows i think patrick's the oldest patrick is, is the oldest. It, yeah
0: what it's never made clear but uh so they they do explain that patrick's mom died um and his dad remarried. married so the way i see it is you got the dad and patrick and then you got the mom and taya and then bill is patrick and the new mom uh kid and that's how i see the the age dynamic
1: nice little blended
2: family we got there well, you know
1: yeah very progressive uh film in 2001 mm-hmm.
2: yeah Right, yeah, <laughs> considering I mean, it's two thousand one, <laughs> it yeah. it, feel, it does feel pretty progressive. Yeah.
0: yeah um. So yeah, uh, that's basically the explanation there. We also get that quick scene of the dog eating, which every time the dog eats, it's meat related. There's always some sort of meat, uh, to it.
2: Well, um, Pearl did say that it gets hungrier, so I'm like, that should it that, like hearing that and seeing how much meat he eats. It's like, okay, something, that's one hungry dog, first of all, and it kind of just, like, it kind of gets hungrier and hungrier. It's like, you're, like, yearning for something. It's almost like you're getting sustenance for whatever reason, which, we know, we find out later.
0: Yeah. So, we move on. A couple of days uh, go by. Yes.
2: But we also gotta talk about the whole, like, talk about, like, uh that little conversation with the dad. The dad, Bill... Jeremiah, that's the name. Jeremiah, Bill, and Patrick, because that's important as well. Because it goes, because it goes to the to the um the disappearance of the frat boys. It goes to the disappearance of them, them getting eaten up, and uh, yeah. and the dad, uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah's all like, "Yeah, no, we didn't go where you're not supposed to. Shit happens, and you're just like, see, fair.
0: That actually, you're right. Because I almost did gloss over a really key important fact. The dad talks to the detective after that." But they get a knock on the door after that conversation you were mm. just talking about, and it's the detective, the mm. one we saw in the beginning of the film, that mm. was like, you know, leave that old building alone. Mm. Don't don't go in there talking to the rookie cop. And he has a weird conversation with the dad talking about said building had uh, got bought and wanted to ask the dad who previously owned it, his business owned it, why he sold it. And the dad has no idea. He was like, I never even knew we sold it, but why does it matter? It's been, you know, this many years. It's out of our hands. We shouldn't care about it. Um, so we now establish a connection between the detective and the dad that we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. So that does happen.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, something is definitely amiss.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> like I said, I can hear your voice all day. And
1: talking about that. It's like audio chocolate. <laughs> yeah that i'll just lean in and do one-liners for the rest of the way <laughs> i think another thing to talk
2: about is the fact that they're actively trying to hide the fact that they bought the building yeah, <laughs> yeah from the dad from yeah. the dad, yeah. and that was like the key piece of information also that <laughs> i was trying to point out uh but oh,
1: it, but, it, but it also i think that that speaks a little bit to and i'm going to get a little bit existential here but that speaks yes. to i think the 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 fear of the loss of community when uh black people move out from from predominantly black neighborhoods and into a suburban environment because you can tell that the dad is very consumed by his work Uh, You know, he's sitting at the table and he's, like, smoking a cigar and he's, like, looking at some paperwork and stuff like that.
2: Very fathers knows best.
1: Yeah, and the kids are just kind of, like, sitting around and they're goofing off and he's, like, you know, keeping them in check. But he's sort of engaged, but not really engaged. And you can tell that there's a a generational disconnect between them. So much so that, uh, you know, his sons are basically sneaking around behind his back. With a scheme that ultimately will try, they're trying to make him proud by doing this stuff, Um, and it's a nice juxtaposition uh, when you think back to like the the flashbacks from the seventies, where Mm. like everybody's out on the sidewalk, they're all like looking at each other and they're smiling and they're engaging with each other. You could extrapolate in your mind what the family unit would look like in an environment such as that versus this colder suburban uh, existence that they have.
0: Yeah, very, very I hate to say like white collar versus blue collar, but that's the vibe it gives to me personally. Yeah, a yeah, blue totally. collar family is a family that's tight knit. They they have communications. They, you know, they tell each other about their day. Or a white collar family, the dad's been working all day, he just wants silence. You know, I have kids, yeah, you know, do your homework, you know, do better in school, but leave me alone at the same time.
1: Mm, yeah i mean his kids are off in their their mystery machine and they're sleeping in a haunted house and you know (laughs) like there's no mention of that like the mom or the dad. like they're just like hey you're here and now there's a dog here like what's going on with the dog they don't even ask like how the kids are doing Mm -hmm. they're just concerned like why is there a dog eating my steak you know
0: why is there a dog eating my steak and uh maurice in the fridge why am i always feeding this extra (laughs) yeah exactly
1: (laughs) The bottomless pit, but it's Maurice.
2: You know, it it is funny because like it almost gives like like Mystery Machine, like the Mystery Gang, and obviously Maurice is uh, Shaggy.
0: They even have a a dog.
2: (laughs) They even have a Scooby. So I, wow, this movie just got a whole much better (laughs) in my head now
0: the live action adaptation we deserve. Yeah. All right. You're didn't welcome. didn't know we had. So with that, I'm out. That's it. I'm done. So
2: we're not talking about Scooby-Doo no more? Okay. Well,
1: no, I mean, I just gave you the Scooby-Doo reference and I feel like that, <laughs> that's, he, he that's just about He contributed enough. Exactly. That's about <laughs> as good as I can get tonight. So I should leave now. <laughs>
0: Damn, you're expensive. <laughs> Quick, Jay, pay him another 15. God.
2: That was oh. half my salary. <laughs> can you get... Can you not... <laughs> That's that's more than I'm making three months. <laughs> Ten months of my hard-earned cash is gone. <laughs> Down the drain.
0: So uh, oh, if you God. guys want Jay to keep his apartment, go to our Patreon up <laughs> Just joking.
2: If y'all want to, we'll set up a donation link right now so we can get more guests on here and don't let I don't Jay have be to be homeless. <laughs> Homeless J-fun, y'all. You know. So. In the arms of i J. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here all week.
0: Oh, God. So we move on.
2: <laughs> They'll be here all week, y'all.
0: We move on to them actually building and working on the house and you get a bunch of different little scenes like you get uh patrick starting the furnace getting that going and that it's kind of like almost like the heartbeat of the home coming to life as soon as he does that yeah that's really when things start getting freaky there
2: i don't know why i thought they turned on the furnace earlier no i'm pretty sure they turned on the furnace earlier didn't
0: it it was
2: like the first time they're in the house
1: no, I, I think this was the the time when they do it, and it, yeah, is this when they, the pipes start bleeding and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Oh yeah, the pipes just start it, it, it's bleeding. Rust. It's rust. It's rust. It yeah, it's rust. rust yeah. <laughs> man, I hate that. I hate that is some very <laughs> so like, very just liquidy rust. It's like, yeah, man. man. No,
0: what I love is them sitting there touching the pool of blood yeah. in the middle of the floor talking about the house is pulsating it feels like a heartbeat then they go downstairs to figure out where it's coming from and like the pipes are bleeding and old dude's like yep that's rust I know rust and that's rust
2: ain't Cynthia in here too?
0: Yes, yeah, and shows Cynthia up just and
2: Cynthia's all like I should not be here but yeah I'm still here because I want dick and I'm like I'm here for it but at the same time well, I'm like uh because uh, the chemistry, baby, the, no, chemistry, the chemistry was, was there. there. Don't get me wrong. The chemistry that chemistry was, was there. Long.
0: But I also feel like she lived a very sheltered life with her mom. Um, Th- That's what that gave to me is like, yeah. you know, because she knows better. She's even having vision. When she gets there, she sees Jimmy Bones. She has visions. She knows things are fucked up in this place. And she still keeps coming. So and I feel like it's a combination between that romantic tension and that kind of... Mom's telling me not to go here, so I'm going to go here.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of rebellion, and and just to to touch on the you know the house talking to to her, that had a a real Amityville horror vibe, you know, where like the house is basically telling you like, yeah, this shit is fucked up, like bad stuff is going to happen. Um, so please stick around right <laughs> and they do <laughs> they're like it's just rust
0: bad stuff's about to happen but that guy the patrick mm. yeah.
2: <laughs> and then they lead everything down to this locked the room that earlier in the film was being teased of course with the spirit running around and i love spirit work so much because i I love the way it just goes freehand. And it really gives a sense of like, oh, there's somebody watching. And I just really love that. I really, really do love how that camera work was done. I'm Did just gonna Did you notice say.
0: the spirit vision changes colors the more the movie progresses?
2: Oh, I was gonna touch on that later because the use of color, especially in the second, like uh, the last act of the film, bussin'. <laughs> like, I can't even think of any other word. Like I adore i'm a i'm a color person i love co- using colors to signify different locations moves and all of that and i think that was just the creme de la creme of color use when it comes to like the change because it was a, honestly it became like a whole like genre shift halfway through
0: oh yeah uh but i i liked how The further along Mm -hmm. jimmy bones was uh basically manifesting because the vision the the spirit vision started out i want to say green at first Mm -hmm. then it moved to purple Mm -hmm. and then the Mm -hmm. final one was red before he actually comes to life almost indicating that he's gaining power
1: yeah it's 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 you know um and again not to get too like uh deep into symbolism and stuff like that but it, it, it did it showed like the the It's almost like an intensity in terms of heat, because even the exterior shots at the beginning of the film, they they had a very kind of blue green tint to them. The Mm -hmm. the initial shots of the the building and stuff like that, and as the film progressive progresses, it gets warmer and warmer and warmer until the climax where, you know, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but it's just lots of red surrounding Mm -hmm. them, right? Not not just the blood.
0: Almost like, uh, almost like a body going from cold to warm. Yeah, Something coming totally. to light. Totally,
1: totally. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like King's uh, description of his version of *The Shining* versus Kubrick's, where King said, "You know, my version of *The Shining* is like, it's it's hot, like it is it is scorching, and it like if it had a color, it would be red." Kubrick's version, the film version that everybody loves, is is much colder, slightly more detached, and it's more. Has more blues. Well, the exterior shots. There's some red in there, but yeah. Anyway, color is a big deal, and Mm -hmm. so I agree with you, Jason.
0: Um, we did gloss over a quick thing, and it's just uh the detective with what what was his name? J, J Mac, Mac something. Uh, the the the, oh, the crack
2: dealer. Oh
3: yeah!
2: I just
0: thought of that. We glossed over that real fast. It's not a huge deal, but it does indicate that it's more the, character development. Well, the detective that knows Patrick's dad is also a dirty cop for this drug dealer. So mm-hmm. it kind of it is it,
2: it, important because it goes to show how there's no character here that's basically wasted. Yeah, every character here has a purpose, even the ones that die.
0: And it, it's your 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 guys, the the two guys that sold the drugs to the the frat guys. Man, it, it, it's his it's his crew. Uh, it's I, uh,
2: Jimmy Mac's crew.
0: Eddie Mac. Eddie, Eddie Mac. Mac, Mac. Eddie, Eddie, Mac's Eddie Mac's crew. Mac. Yeah, yeah. And yeah,
2: yeah. like I said, it just goes to show, not one character here is like wasted. Everyone here is here for a reason, and I believe that it goes to show, like everyone has its place. Yeah, and even every his film um his
0: that, uh his girl, uh, Snowflake. Yeah, and I can't girl. think of her name, but like just he calls her Snowflake. Even she had personality, something <laughs> that should have just been a throwaway. Oh, that's his woman. You know, whatever. Right. A throwaway character. So they still had time to give her personality. Yeah. And
2: I really I, like thing like things where characters are utilized and aren't like really just wasted or they're like one and done. I really do like films like that because I'm, I'm a big sucker for like having like how characters just kind of, they come across each other. is like the whole degree of separation thing. And especially when it comes to like a lot of things attached to this neighborhood is always like everyone is six degrees of separation from each other. Yeah. Everyone's going to know, either know each other or know of each other or like know someone that knows somebody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, in addition to that, the, the geography of the film is actually very, very contained. It takes place, essentially, it feels like it takes place on one street in a neighborhood. And the only other location that we go to, I believe, is um, the house in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. if we actually go anywhere else. There may be some alleys. Others,
0: there's an exterior shot when they're on the highway, but yeah. that simply shows that they're leaving right. the city. Right. It's just a transitional. To to yeah. So yeah. it shows that disconnect, that distance. But right. Other than that, that's it.
1: Yeah, the, the the film has a surprising amount of intimacy um, and it spends quite a long time establishing and building characters. Like, we don't get our first kill until about 55 minutes into the film. Yeah. Uh, outside of the, the two... The opening. The opening, right? But once we establish the main characters, like, they, the the film spends a lot of time just taking care of the story which is refreshing in a horror film
0: yeah especially they just they don't do that nowadays anymore they they don't the not only the taking the time with the story and having a slow build-up to a climactic finish but also small part-time characters side characters nothing characters having personality and being part of the movie Mm. other than comedies they really don't do that and even most comedies nowadays don't take the time to establish every character yeah i know so I really appreciated that just as a story standpoint, not necessarily a film, but just a story standpoint. It's hard to write something and make a character that, you know, really doesn't have any lines, but still give them a personality.
1: Yeah. And that, that's always the, um, and you can, you can make a case that this is, th- this has elements of a slasher film, right? Um, the, the challenge with slashes is that it's, there's a There's a point where you sometimes end up rooting for the villain instead of the characters, and you just wanna see how they die right you see the you see them get killed um so it's always great when you see a film that takes time to build the characters so that when they do eventually meet their brutal demise um like being splattered on a wall <laughs> uh, in a perfect blood silhouette um <laughs> You go, like, it It means something, because as an audience, you have s- at least some level of investment in who they
0: are. Yeah. No, it's it's so good. Uh I'm glad you brought up the slasher element, because Jimmy Bones actually reminds me a lot of Freddy Krueger, even down to him having his own song.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, the film, if you think about it, this, it has the exact same theme of A Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. where the kids are paying for the sins of the parents. Yeah and you know we'll get to the the big reveal about why Jimmy Bones is who he is now but um that throughout the film I kept thinking that like mm-hmm. this this does totally feel like a nightmare on elm street
0: oh yeah for sure um so yeah thank, okay.
2: thank you for bringing up the fact that some people just root for the antagonist because my my god did i root for the antagonist for a while <laughs> <laughs> like like after like after everything after the climax started to shift everything, I was like I was really rooting for for Jimmy Bones, like for oh, real. Yeah, I him to win. Like it was giving me like <laughs> to be
0: perfectly honest, he should have won.
2: Like it was giving me like halfway between like it giving me Black Panther, where you you want to root for Chichala the whole time, but it's also like No maybe Killmonger. Got a point got, there. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Killmonger got a point. Yeah. And I'm like, this is what is given to me except like is amplified <laughs> because like people are dying more people are dying here so i'm like yeah i i i i feel you jimmy bones i understand i so, get you
0: um before we move on that girl to the is me uh, i do want to bring up something that's not super important but it's when cynthia goes to sleep
2: one of my favorite scenes in the film that cynthia scene was my personal favorite
0: I, I, it wo- I loved it, just the this walls turning black, yeah. then bodies forming, and then them coming out of the wall with that KY jelly slime. Reminded me of aliens so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh. definitely.
1: It felt uh, like a hive, Um, but yeah, just... Uh, and, you know, some, some really cool prosthetic work on some of the, the faces. They were elongated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times these days, they would... You know they just use c g for that um and it sort of takes you out of it. There's something really cool about tactile horror right where you see like everything's done in camera um and those are the more successful elements of this film. This is a very interesting period in 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 horror cinema in particular because this is that crossover period where you see films trying to use c g um and it's not it doesn't quite work because it's the the technology is not there enough at those budget levels for it to to work visually and it it really does take you out the film so I love the fact that uh Dickerson whether because of budget or whether through like artistic restraint, he blends even within certain scenes like when um when the guy gets stabbed with all these CG shards of glass, mm-hmm. they immediately cut to him stuck to the wall. But those are practical effects, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it brings you back into it. So yeah, I, I'm all about that stuff, man. I, you know, I grew up in the '80s watching like Carpenter stuff. So oh, yeah, yeah. And
0: and considering that, and I hate to keep shitting on Thirteen Goes, but considering it's the same year, this movie looks a thousand times better than Thirteen Goes.
1: Yeah, when, when did uh, the remake of The Haunting come out? I think it was around the same that time was, as well.
0: I want to say 99.
1: Okay, and that was just like it all CG and it was Horrible. gross. It was unwatchable. But I saw that in the That KSS. has
0: the scene where Owen Wilson gets his head decapitated. Yeah. and starts like walking all over the place. Oh, it's just brutal. God, yeah, God, yeah, oh,
1: yeah, terrible. Yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Millennial horror. That's about based what I'm going to call it. Millennium horror. It feels like it does feel transitional. And. It also kind of gives us a unique perspective because we were kids, so a lot of times, if we see those as kids, it's different from when we see them as adults. Mm-hmm. As for you, you're already an adult, so oh, it's yeah. like it's a different also different perspective on how this era of horror was depicted and how it shows in your mind as compared to how it actually is. Like critically I'm, and you know technically and
1: yeah, absolutely. I I really struggled with a lot of the films during this time simply because of the the level of CG in it. I still struggle with horror that has a bunch of CG because you know if you if your mind immediately registers something as being created in a computer, it's it's just really hard to stay with it. Like a ghost that's made in a PC just doesn't scare me, you know? Yeah. Um, uh,
0: it, it, to me, it all depends on like the tone you're going for. Yeah. Like with this movie, the CG didn't bother me. Right. It, it looks bad, but it doesn't bother me because they're going for this goofy, sure. campy kind of tone where like 13 ghosts or the haunting or something like that. It's, they're trying too hard to be serious yeah. with these bad graphics. Yeah. 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 So it just doesn't work.
2: 13 ghosts serious girl
0: it tried to be serious you didn't take it serious because no one can take it serious but it tried
3: mm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway
2: I, I i realized that about the Cynthia scene that it starts out pretty weird and it but it also gives it a good catalyst towards on from from i forgot what I'm about the same because that also goes along in tandem with the seance that Pearl was giving, too. That's right. right. And when, you know, Cynthia's already kind of spooked out because, like, she was about to go, like, you know, Bangtown, and she sees, like, all the spirits, and and you know that she has visions. But she didn't want to go to Bangtown. No, 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 but she was was... trying to go to Bangtown,
1: and then she ended up getting, you know... She got, t- she got turned off in the middle of it. And be- she's like, I can't do this. Because
2: she, there was a shadow that went up. Right, that's the right. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah, kissing. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. she, she, cause like, it was about to happen. And I was like, come on, come on, get that dick. And then I was like, oh, yeah. never mind. And then it goes to show, because it was about to be like, oh, I was like, that part kind of made me uncomfortable in the way that I feel like everyone sees it. It's like, ah, uh, like she's getting. Basically, like molested by freaking yeah, that ghosts. that was that was an assault. Yeah, and yeah, for sure, it's just like I hate that. It, I hate to say it because, like, it's basically like my hate most hated scene and my favorite scene at the same time. Artistically, when it goes to her, just like you know, being in the blood, that was a beautifully shot scene. But juxtaposition, uh, juxtaposing that with the seance and her basically getting molested, it it puts a weird taste in your mouth because it's like it shows how it gives an it's, it's almost as if it's like an unnecessary step to show how fucked up things are but it also i feel like goes to show not only cynthia's connection but pearl's connection because yeah. you know as an extension of her mother well- it-
0: her laying in the blood was actually the seance, what the mom was seeing during the seance, or at least that's how I saw it. Yeah. Because it kept switching back and forth with her getting molested, her being uh, attacked, and the mom having the seance, and then after the mom, you would see her calm, relaxed, drowning in the blood, and then boom, back to the assault again.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think I think the assault was... Uh a creative misstep particularly when you think about who she's revealed to be at the end of the film
0: yeah yeah
1: um that just makes it weirder so uh but we'll get to that right yeah
0: Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. um so the mom after the seance she immediately knows what this means uh she runs and she gets her daughter out of there um after that, she looks at the kids and says, "If you want to be alive by the end of the week," and she gives a time frame. <laughs> if you want to be alive by the end of the week, you need to get out. And she honestly, she gave it gone. a day.
2: Huh? She gave it a day. Oh, she gave it a day. Mm-hmm. At the end of the
0: day. Oh shit.
2: And <laughs> yeah, no, that was cre- freaky, freaky, freaky. And then, like, I was so I was kind of upset because I was like, "Oh, she's gonna think." Patrick did something. And I was like, because she came out in her lace in her underwear and like there was no shirt. And I'm like, oh, that, 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 care. I don't think she cared. But at the same time, I was like, see, other people who look around and be like, why is she running out? Like, they're going to obviously think that like the guys did something. Like yeah, from it, like from seeing that from outside looking in. Yeah. But that but, mom was just like, you know, Pearl
0: knew what was I, I don't want my daughter dead. Yeah.
1: She, she, I, I think she knew that. It was way more than just, you know, uh, just boys being uh, terrible humans to, yeah. <laughs> to women at that point. You know, like, um, and I did like, like, there's a lot of restraint in, in scenes like this. Because, like you said, just I mean, they, they could have played that much more um, lasciviously. Like, they could have made it into a whole thing between her and Patrick. and uh, But they don't. They, they just, you know it's like she wakes up they they make a point to to have her realize that it was only a dream and he's not anywhere near her that she could mistake it for like oh for, he was mm, actually messing her mm-hmm. so i think that was cool and that that shows that the film is intent on sticking to the story and and telling the story right so like mm. you know even even though there might be a few missteps here and there it is very deliberate in moving us through the plot uh, from from point to point to point. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, Cynthia is out of there. And uh, at this point, it's daybreak. And Patrick is super eager to show his dad his what he has accomplished. And he's, he knows his dad's going to be proud of him. He just feels it in his bones that he knows his dad's going to be proud of him. Well, his dad makes a point that he knows what neighborhood they're driving through. And he realizes that... And you can see him starting to get, like, a little concerned, a little anxious. And then they pull up to the building. And this was probably, in my opinion, the best acted scene in the entire movie. Was the dad yelling at Patrick to get the fuck out of this neighborhood. Yeah. It was so good.
1: Oh, yeah. He's great. And, yeah. And you could tell, like, he loses it. And, you know, he's, like, gesticulating. And then, like... This is, to me, this is where the film also takes a shift in tone because it goes from being, um, you know, as far as a film with, like, blood that people mistake for rust uh, <laughs> can be. It is It is slightly restrained. But tonally, it, it gets more broad from this point forward um, because I think at this point, as an audience, but also the characters within the film, they realize the the stakes. Um within the, the last five or ten minutes of the film that we have, have just witnessed, the stakes are established as as really, really high at this point. And this is when the dad figures out that his sin is staring him in his face and it is impacting the thing that he wants to protect. Um, more than anything else, which is his son, and then of course his other kids. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, it's also established because uh, the the neighbor pokes his head out. No words are said, but he pokes his head out, stares at the dad, and the yeah. dad stares at him back. So, boom, another connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. right there. Um, so yeah, I think we could just skip forward just a hair to where they open the nightclub. Yeah. So yeah, the the nightclub. Night
2: lots of green lots of colors dancing all around trying to get some tonight because i love i love the, the dance i love the like night scenes in the millennial era mm-hmm. because it's like you can just tell that they're just like clubbing along like every <laughs> even from crappy movies i just really like the dance scenes because it's just like it really drops you into that time and era where it's like they're just like clubbing and I wish I was one of those people that were clubbing in the 2000s because it just looks like a lot of fun. Like, a lot lots of fun. Right, it was all right. It was all right. It was all right? <laughs> no, it was fun. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but I just really like stuff like that. And then...
0: Honestly, with the amount of work they had on their hands, they, they pulled it off. They the did. Club looked pretty okay. That
1: was some... Uh, yeah, was some HGTV stuff that they, they did. <laughs>
0: that they, got, was...
1: they got lights and a sound system in there. I was like,
0: All right. <laughs> I mean, I think it's yeah, like... the that guy with the chainsaw in the yeah. elevator. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, the, they
2: Oh, they were ready. Like, they... I feel like they already had like, a good trick on stuff available and they're just trying to find a place to put it. But I'm also like, where y'all get this money from to get this... All, Where did they get this money from in the first place to get this? But that's also probably like movie magic. Cause, I'm gonna like, say I don't, daddy's trust fund. Because yeah. I don't think I yeah. want to know.
0: Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. I'm just being honest. I'm, I'm gonna say daddy's trust not,
2: fund. Not them being trust fund kids. That's just, that nah, just I mean, makes it even
1: funnier. But they totally were. I mean, you know, he's got a, a fully like decaled van, like, you know, he he's has driving a Lexus. Around, like you're driving around in a van like that, you either have to be like crazy and like you work, you know Work somewhere that, high up. Or well, okay. or like you work and that like all your money goes into that van. Mm-hmm. Or you have a rich dad
0: because yeah, I mean literally it's just they're pursuing their dream. Yeah. No yeah. other aspect that you don't even see them like struggle for anything. Right. So they're, yeah. They're yeah. good. Yeah. So you, they're trust fund kids.
2: It kind of makes the plot goes a little bit make it makes a little bit more sense considering like like when it comes to Patrick's ambitions compared to like his dad's. So it makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. That's yeah. if they're trust fund babies. wish bitch I wish I was too. But um yeah, no, that dance club scene, I was a big fan of it. And it goes on. You're dancing, dancing, dancing. Man, Cynthia. She's back. She's back. <laughs> and I'm like, this Matrix, like, this Matrix, uh, what the, I forgot what the third, second was. Reloaded looking ass look. look and, like, I get back, like, back up against this, like, green, like textured layout i was oh, like oh and then uh, like the, the
0: chain like you had like the the chain wall or whatever yes like the, the holes yeah, through yeah. The, it the was like coming through peak like
1: production design club zion is oh. what i call that sequence in uh, in the matrix ah that, uh, yeah
2: <laughs> that's so it good. i loved it and, and
0: then we have um maurice and he finds <sighs> a very attractive woman that shows an interest into him
2: ah uh, but remember we is not actually the very attractive woman that we think it is
0: no it is not it's dog it, it is it is bones not jimmy bones but bones the dog bones the dog yeah uh ooh. a
1: more a more powerful version right because yeah because the,
0: yeah. we do show because he's if it, he's eating more like right. it starts it does start with the the guys he eats the guys yeah but we don't know how long that took to eat right um and it, but it does start the visually showing him eating it starts with a small hamburger mm-hmm. and then it goes to a steak being cut up then it shows like a big pound of ground beef yeah, yeah. and every time he eats you see the skeleton because the skeleton they first find it's fleshy it's got like it, it doesn't look like it's been de- uh, uh decomposing very long and then muscle tissue starts growing and stuff like that every time he eats
2: we also glossed over the fact that Maurice's dumbass managed to take from the skeleton the as he was reciting the legend of Jimmy Bones the oh, switchblade. He didn't take the switchblade, he but he t- the switchblade, but, but he took, the diamond, he took the diamond ring. And I'm like, bro, yeah, bro, bro. I was rooting for you. But no, you have to be horny, and have he to, got
0: horny, and then he got mm, ate. The sexy lady turned into the dog, and which, the dog ate the Maurice. Which
2: <laughs> I really enjoyed as a scene because I'm just a big fan of the like of that little temptation, that little like temptress like thing where you know you see like a little at the last like what's it say I forgot last little leg or something, and then you just have him follow. It's like literally like a cat and yeah mouth game. and you
1: knew that he was done like the minute she turned and looked at him on the dance floor you're mm. like oh this fool's gonna die
2: this fool's gonna die and he's gonna have death by snoo snoo
1: yeah
0: i need to talk about this because this was my favorite scene it made me laugh so fucking hard all right um patrick or no, bill's tired bill needs a, a, a tag out so he's like yo patrick go find maurice Patrick goes up to find Maurice, finds the dog eating Maurice. The dog looks up at him, and the dog's face turns into Snoop Dogg's face and tells him to get out.
1: Yeah. That. <laughs> and then proceeds to just vomit, like, a, a on him. ton of maggots. So can I say, can I just jump in here and say, I miss maggots in horror films. Like, if you grew up in the 80s, like, one in five horror films was like it had some maggots in it. This this is where this this whole um construct within this third act of the film is very much like Hellraiser, which is one of my favorite films. Um where so so in Hellraiser, um and I, I you know I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it for, for those of you who haven't seen Hellraiser but um blood actually precipitates um his escape from hell and and the blood is actually sort of like absorbed by the house mm-hmm. right and then his body literally reconstitutes and and they parallel that hair in bones as well where like the house is sort of like drinking the blood and feeding jimmy bones as he reconstitutes and you see his flesh and, and stuff kind of reforming as he's laying in the basement. And then they layer in a bunch of maggots, which is cool as hell. So, like, you could tell Dickerson is, like, paying homage to a lot of the the films that were influential to them. Um, this is definitely, like, gross-out horror. This is not, like, you know, psychological stuff. Like, this is just balls to the wall. Like, this is literally a dog yelling at you. And then vomiting maggots in your face.
0: Yeah, it reminds me a lot of like Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah, reason. totally. Like that dog part with the maggots. Yeah. it reminds me of either uh, Evil Dead Two or mainly a uh, note Drag Me to Hell. Oh yeah, a lot of. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, totally. Oh. And then and then then we have a, a maggot hurricane in <laughs> yeah, the club. Maggot rain
0: shower <laughs> yeah. going
1: on. Oh, I can see from like your so- face, Jason, you did not enjoy the maggot scene.
2: I though. so. <laughs> I I just seeing like a hurricane of maggots, just like <laughs> it 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 get it. Ugh! And I'm like, I'm usually not like I- I'm usually not like really like receptive. I'm I'm usually receptive to like bugs and stuff, but it's like they're maggots. They're they though they they they're maggots, and I'm like every time I see maggots, I just cringe because it's like you know. What comes with maggots right. you girl, exactly
0: was it the girl drinking her drink full of maggots, or was it the oh, guy the pizza. eating the pizza yeah. <laughs> that
2: add, <laughs> that was also funny and added on to my girls like like my stopped feeling of it because I was like this is just this ain't the vibe y'all, and just like just being you know having a maggot shower on you just. Uh, a new fear unlocked <laughs> yeah. new fear unlocked for real
0: but uh yeah after the dog eats Maurice, uh jimmy's back jimmy yeah. bones is back ladies baby and, gentlemen. And, and with a vengeance okay <sighs> you know you have a cool villain when he comes back says a one-liner turns off the furnace just leaving the gas running Hits a, li- a light and just casually walks his over to the switch, turns it on while a big explosion happens, and he just keeps walking. Y- y- you know, you got a good villain,
2: but that's why I feel like while I did like basically diss on like Snip Dog's acting ability, his stage presence,
3: yeah, makes mm. up for it. Oh, totally. his stage
2: presence makes up for it immensely because I want that
0: suit. Yeah. That was, that's suit. a
2: co- that's a cosplay worthy suit like people need to be cosplaying that more mm-hmm. but the sole fact of the matter is just like it it just was i felt it, the iconic just jumped out like i can't think of anything other to say than just like iconic it's just like very just like badass almost like it almost kind of gives like a a country villain reveal whereas like you have like all the whole crap ton of calamity behind you and then it's like amongst like the fire you just have the person just walks out yeah unscathed by anything and that's what that was like my favorite part It was just like everything is going unscathed everybody just like running out the dog on a maggot shower of a nightclub the it gets shut down all right yeah. and everybody you know tries to go and then whenever you have um what was it Cynthia Cynthia and Maurice? Whenever Cynthia and Maurice goes Patrick. to Patrick Maurice <laughs> Cynthia and Patrick whenever they leave and then they see they see like Jimmy uh Mr. Jimmy motherfucking bones. Like in the flesh. Sort of, <laughs> In yeah. the flesh, as they say.
0: Yeah. And flesh, then flesh enough, you know, he's there.
2: <laughs> and then you have the scene where he just throws the switchblade and it just
0: barely misses,
2: barely misses. And everybody goes out and then all you everybody comes in Pearl. see so you see Pearl and then all you see is Pearl and Jimmy Bones looking at each other.
0: And they make eye contact before that door shuts and the, the rest of the building just burns down.
2: Mm. It was Ooh. giving me, you know, what it was giving me do the right thing. The climax to Do the Right Thing, where the riot happens, okay. and you have all of these things happen at the same exact time. And it just its like the almost it feels like almost like a, a like a homage to you know, do the right thing with the uh, that fire scene, because it does give me the same energy as the riot scene from, yeah. from there. Just in the aesthetic and just like other chaos alone, and the implications of what all of that meant yeah, what
1: it means for going forward. But it, it, and you know, symbolically too, you could, you could make the inference that like, this is him sort of escaping from hell, like back into this plane of reality. Right. And he's bringing hell with him. Right. Like, cause like the flames kind of lick around him as he's coming up the stairs. And whenever, you know, I think there's another shot where he's walking through flame.
3: Mm -hmm. And even though
1: the CG is kind of dated at this point, like the scene works, like oh, in, yeah, like it just looks fucking dope,
0: right? Like yeah, because you just... well, your your focus isn't even on the fire, right? Because a lot of movies back in that time, they were like, ooh, explosion, yeah. CGI flames, but ooh, explosion. Yeah. This was Jimmy Bones, and your eyes were focused on his reveal. Your, yeah, it's his show at that point.
1: Yep, and it it makes it's a great payoff because the we've again because of the deliberate nature of the buildup. Like, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. So when he finally shows up and it actually works, like, like he he has that physical presence, you're in. You're like, okay, I want to see Jimmy Bones fuck some people up now. Like, yeah, let's right. do it. Let's get to it.
0: Um, so we're going to get into the flashback part. But before that, I want to talk about um, Pam Greer's terror reading. It comes after the flashback, I know, but it, it's a nice tie-in.
2: Oh, are you talking about with the... She does oh, the, the terror reading. I thought you were talking about the... Um, no, that's in the flashback. The, okay. The uh, tarot, that was a good thing. The
0: terror reading that she has, she does the past, the present, and the future. Mm-hmm. Her past is the throne, which basically prosperity, good times, wealth. The middle is couple. So love, uh, relationships, yada, 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 basically implying her and Jimmy future is death and that to me is a perfect tie-in for jimmy's backstory yeah so the year is 1979 yep. the neighborhood is popping it's you know it, it looks good I a mean, bright sunny day everyone knows jimmy everyone's outside there's street vendors outside there's people hanging out you know nothing bad whatsoever uh jimmy Goes to his apartment or his—I would—I would call it headquarters, but it's the building.
2: Baby, that building looked beautiful, like a black man's paradise, as <laughs> I say. Like, and it gives—it's almost as if, like, now I'm thinking about it. This is maybe a one hell of a reach, but it's almost as if, like, because of the sins of everyone around him, is that like everything's up in smoke and up in flames now, and it kind of gives me this uh how, oh, every time black people try to get a leg up, try to get a leg up on, you know, trying to create that wealth and trying to have a prosperous life, being in luxury, being able to do what, you know, white people can do, what, you know, the dominant culture can do, it always gets taken away from us in ways that are really kind of messed up whether it's like through fire or through some kind of death or betrayal.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I don't think it's a reach at all and I think it it is a fantastic metaphor for the the blight of narcotics within the inner city because that essentially is what the the scene that that reveal because you know, in the first few flashbacks where you see Jimmy Bones you kind of think he might be a pimp, he may he may be a drug dealer, he may be doing all kinds of stuff. But in this scene is made very clear that that he's he's above board and he's about community. He cares about the people around him and it's working, right? But people within his own community, right? And this is this is that that challenge that the black community always faces they bring this thing to him as a business proposition and and jimmy has the foresight to see that selling drugs is a really bad fucking idea particularly if you're going to sell drugs to your own people mm-hmm. because he's he's making money off of the community but he's making just enough to be prosperous
0: and he gives just as much as he And does. he
1: does exactly and he understands that that is way more sustainable then turning everybody in the community into addicts, right? And then ultimately, we see the result of that, right? Because when we when we first are introduced to the neighborhood, it is desolate, it is run down, it's dangerous. And it's where people go from other places to buy drugs, like literally drive in to buy drugs, you know? Um, which is a fantastic way to make... Jimmy a sympathetic character like it that is to me what makes this film work
0: yeah I mean he's not a villain no no, not at all he plays the antagonist he's not the villain of the film yeah from what I see Um, but yeah so you have the meeting like you were saying with um, it's Eddie Mack uh, the cop and Patrick's dad and basically Um, the cop is paid by Eddie Mack Eddie Mac wants to bring drugs into the community because he knows if he can get behind, or if Jimmy Bones can get behind him, that's an easy push. That's an easy payday. If Jimmy Bones is saying, yeah, we can do this, everyone else is going to, you know, follow along. Patrick's dad, however, is the one case that's, it makes me angry, but it also is kind of heart-wrenching at the same time. He looks at Eddie or Jimmy Bones and he wants what he has he's jealous he wants that money and there's even a moment where jimmy bones talks to him and he's like you know i would have given you anything and he's like i didn't want you to give me anything i just wanted what you had and it's
2: i mean i understand the envy of it all because it's like as it's on he worked very hard post you know betrayal in order to escape from his pro- basically run away from his problems and to try to make something out of it. It's like, I feel like that was the calm, the calm to Jesus moment that he really needed for him to be like, Oh, I gotta get the fuck out. And it kind of, it, it, it paid in what happens later, but it just, it kind of makes you understand. But at the same time, it's like, it's kind of a disappointing kind of thing.
0: Well, it's just a huge what if scenario where if, if he didn't have that jealousy if he didn't have that want to him him himself mm. pick him up by the boots pick himself up by the bootstraps and do what Jimmy's doing all on his little lonesome and actually accept the help that Jimmy would have offered him the neighborhood probably would have prospered mm-hmm.
3: yeah
1: i i don't i don't see him at all as a sympathetic character because to me his success is predicated on the destruction of the community that he left behind. Yes. Oh,
3: with
2: Jeremiah.
1: Yeah, um, he 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 made a choice, you know, um, and essentially he is he is sucking all the life of the community while not even living there anymore, and that that is the evil. I think that ultimately the film is trying to highlight, right in a in a uh, slightly subversive way. Um, but it makes, like, again, you know, you're not supposed to root for the for the antagonist. But in this case, I was like, yeah, Jimmy, just go get them. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Jimmy says no. He's not going to have drugs in the neighborhood. He refuses. And Eddie Mac does not take that very well. And him and the officer put... Both his bodyguard, who is the apartment guy, uh, put his bodyguard and him at gunpoint and force him to try uh, crack. And I don't know if it was the high or if it was Jimmy just, you know, angry at this point, wants him out of his building. He pulls the switchblade out, cuts the cop and
2: I'm going to blame it on the high. Because... I'm gonna say a mixture of both. Because yeah. I think he was already, like, pissed off. But I think the high, like, amplified his pissed offness. Because I it's, like, it's fucking crack. Crack make you do some weird-ass shit. <laughs> Especially if it was laced. Which, we don't know if it's laced. But I'm just gonna assume it's laced because of the, you know, the cop. <laughs> because it's <of> that <Teddy> Mac. <laughs> I'm gonna assume that bitch is laced.
0: I just, like... Story wise, I like to think that he tried it and knew how dangerous it was, and even yeah. if it would have cost him his life, wanted to try and get rid of this this cancer that would have been for his neighborhood.
1: Yeah, and I mean he was forced to do it at gunpoint, yeah. so
0: I mean, you yeah, know, he's uh, uh, he's he's in a bad mood already.
1: So. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: so, but yeah, he he cuts the cop, and the cop and Eddie Mac unload on him. And the witnesses are Patrick's dad, the bodyguard, and um,
2: Pearl. Pearl who Pearl walk is there. who walks in at like mid uh, mid shot. And I'm like, oh, I felt bad for her because like, she walked in mid shot and just had to see her man is on the floor just dying. And fuck that cop, You're yeah. trying to tell, just trying to get her to fucking stop screaming. I would have.
0: Oh, yeah, that that angered me a lot, where he just kept telling her to shut up as she's over her dying lover's body.
2: Ugh. You're a bad cop misogynist, Bitch, pick a struggle. (laughs) Fuck. Um, That leads into, basically, him, you know, everybody rallying around the... well i'm gonna say jimmy pesto they're, they're <laughs> jimmy not,
0: bones they're not really rallied around uh, i mean you know what i mean puts them at gunpoint that's and, what i mean by rallying around instead of just him and mac being implicated in the murder he all gives them the switchblade so their prints and you know stab wounds mm-hmm. would yeah. match so and everyone's implicated in the murder so no one can speak right
2: and that that is really shitty Yeah. Because it's like you can tell the betrayal just like on his face and just like how it it just it was a heartbreaking scene because like at building up to this point, you've seen how everybody has been post this incident and how everyone has had to live and seeing how everything basically started, like how you can say the events of the of this film basically like started, it makes you just feel sad for all of these characters for basically having to betray their you know their best friend and like the people person that they relied on the most but it's also like damn y'all are really selfish for y'all to just like choose your own lives over potentially saving another because i do kind of feel like somebody would have been fast enough in order to like you know get one one up on Eddie Mac
1: or the cop well, I mean, I mean, Jimmy says it to his former bodyguard as well. He's like, you know, you could have died with me, uh, but you made that choice, you know. And but, he, the gun was right there; like he could well, have like done something with the switchblade,
2: like turn it over on him, and like got. I don't know. There could have been a, like a heroic ass scene yeah, right there, but, but that's it, just me.
0: At the same time, it's easy to sit there and say that stuff when you're not in that situation. Yeah, yeah, true. So, so that is true. But I mean, he. Jimmy has a good point, but also logically you, you're you not in that situation. You're not the one being held at gunpoint.
1: Right. But to me, that shows the slippery slope of the initial decision to think that selling drugs in this neighborhood is a good idea. Like, mm-hmm. at that, like that is the point where it's all fucked up anyway. Like, mm. there's no going back. Like, you know, when you align yourself with a dirty cop and drug dealers, it's probably not gonna go well for you, right? Like initially it might, but at some point you are going to get your comeuppance.
0: Yeah, but yeah, that's that's our backstory. That is the oh. time.
1: Also, ripping.
2: Oh, that yeah. was just humiliating. Yeah, just rip ripping Pearl's dress from her, leaving her in her underwear,
0: and burying it with Jimmy.
2: That, that, that just. Was not it? That was not it at all. Like, bro, (laughs) pick a struggle. It that was just that just was fucked up to me. So, very fucked up.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's that's Jimmy's backstory. That is the connection between Eddie Mac, the cop, Pearl, and uh, the bodyguard, and the dad, Uh, apartment guy, and the dad. And then we just have the best part of the movie. The, The greatest part of the movie is Jimmy Bones going around acting his revenge.
2: One last thing, though. Remember the uh, you know, her ring his palm,
0: and oh, talking yeah. about how
2: his lifeline, like she basically was like
0: she foresaw pre- his death,
2: yeah, predicting his death, and I and, yeah, and
1: begged him not to not to take the meeting,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I think that was also an important scene, yeah. That uh, that we that we could have talked about for like a second, but I just wanted to point that out. No, that's but, fine.
0: I I forgot about it. Yeah, but
2: yeah, no, Jimmy Bones fucking shit up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. Uh, first victim is the the bodyguard, and yeah, we I mean we kind of already talked about that, but yeah, he uh, he gets him.
1: Yeah, and you know, again, we 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 veer into much much more fantastic territory here because <laughs> <laughs> it get it goes off the rails a little bit here, and 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 I think it works. It's it's it it's not so much of a tonal shift that you're completely out of it but you are like i spent a lot of time going like did i just see that like that was that was buck wild you
0: know uh no there's some really good moments um my favorite hands down is when he he goes to eddie mac uh that that's his next victim after the bodyguard is he runs into his crew and I don't even know what he does. He just kind of, like, waves his hand, and then the camera cuts to a wall that they're standing next to, and it's a perfect silhouette bloodstain. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I agree. That was a great CGI work, y'all. Great <laughs> CGI great. work. That uh, was totally sarcasm. but No, it was great. <laughs> I do think that going off the rails is... Was I think perfectly acceptable at this point because it goes from like a regular like a regular haunted house theme to just full on like like haunted house to Stranger Things. That's that's the best comparison because it goes it does go from like oh we're in oh yeah we're just doing a haunted house kind of thing to like oh we're basically going to the upside down and I not even gonna lie I was here for it because. It, the film like right when the film like film picks up i was like okay this is fine this is fine and there's like you get to the nightclub scene and you're just like oh things are getting real and then it goes off the rails because like it goes to supernatural horror like oh, yeah. one supernatural horror gets introduced as a element in this film you take everything that you thought about this film and just kind of throw it out the window because this is a almost like a completely different film which i think is good because especially with robert dickinson who's may or may not be known at this point, this is riding off Snoop Dogg's name alone, like, in promotion all of that. So I feel like in order to keep people's attention, you have to give, like, some kind of, you know, thing to keep us going after the third act. Because, like, the third act is, is the strongest act of the film. It's the best. And, it's so good. and, yeah. and there are times where the second act could have faltered, but I think it was still because of Snoop Dogg that it just, like, it kept on going.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think, too, like, this this was in an era where casting hip hop superstars in film was a a big deal. Like DMX crossed over, Buster Rhymes inexplicably was in in a Halloween sequel, and is one of my favorites because it's like the worst movie he ever kicks made.
0: Michael Myers's ass using yeah. kung fu. Yeah,
1: Trick or Treat, motherfucker. <laughs> but um, Raw but Digger I think I think I think Ghosts. Raw
0: Digger was in yeah. 13 Ghosts. Yeah.
1: And I think a lot of audiences, like, they wanted that payoff. They wanted something that was, like, over the top. Because, you know, if you've ever watched a horror film with a a black audience, like, it's an experience, right? Um, so, like, there is there is merit in, like, amping up the audience by, like, just going batshit crazy and having people hooting and hollering in, in the seats. Because you know they'll do that, right? Um, they, I mean... Black people talk to the camera or talk to the screen even in the most serious, you know, like, Biden numbers horror film. Like, so so giving them a, a movie where a, a, a decapitated head continues to speak. I mean, <laughs> come on, man. That's good shit.
2: It doesn't take you out the film either because of the implications of what's going on.
0: Well, it's already, like, it's just that tone. You hit that tone. Because it really does. It It's a... It's very much a serious horror movie until Jimmy Bones is introduced or the dog vomits maggots and yeah. then it's just it's camp at that yeah. point, yeah, but yeah. it works so well. so but yeah, uh, going into the talking head, Jimmy Bones kills Eddie Mac, but he kills his girlfriend first, and I love the symbolism of her being in the trash can. he killing her? I was just like, white trash? <laughs> so, oh
1: wow, I didn't even think about that
0: <laughs> just. I liked it. I
2: thought it was cute. I thought I was kind of thinking more so like how a lot of white black men go for white women once they get a little comeuppance.
0: I mean that's overall, but But, like her death and him finding her body in the trash can is
2: that was wild. White trash. But (laughs) I'm gonna like speak on this for like a for like a second. Like especially when the gay community in Hollywood, black men always end up with white boyfriends. So it's kind of like seeing that with like you know black men and white women how like they think oh no white like white women is somehow better or something and more desirable whatever because it's like all of the black men who ended up with like a woman besides you know patrick is with a white woman so i'm like okay that's a curious choice but i get you know patrick like patrick's famous case I'm just like, damn, you just really wanted a Snow Bunny to fuck, didn't you, uh, Eddie Mac?
0: That is interesting you brought that point up, because now that you said that, I, I, I see that now. With Eddie Mac, he's with uh, Snowflake, and with Patrick's dad, he's with, um. I don't even think she was given a name, but the mom. Um,
1: no, yeah, just mom,
0: yeah. um, Yeah, yeah so I, I didn't notice that until you said something, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's an interesting parallel. Um,
2: it, yeah, I, I feel like it it means more and i have to think about what it actually means but that's just what i noticed yeah but
0: yeah so but yeah uh he so he kills eddie mac after that point and using eddie mac's head keeping it alive he gets him to call the cop or talk to the cop on the phone to meet him at a uh a particular place and...
2: <laughs> um hell duh you are meeting him in hell yeah <laughs>
0: he forces him to he shows the cop shows up jimmy bones is there of course he tries to shoot jimmy nothing fucking happened
2: but there's a fact that he lured him with crack
0: no 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 he forces him to smoke crack but he no shows, he sees all the crack there uh, yeah. He he's like uh, what
2: is this and he's like you can tell that something about to happen
0: and he forces him to smoke crack puts his hand over his mouth moves his hand and now he's got no mouth
2: great CGI y'all
0: cuts him right that was awful but yeah <laughs> cuts him open and as he cuts him open the the smoke starts bellowing out I did like that
2: and also it, it's a parallel because it was it was a cop that basically caused Jimmy Bones the so of course the cop is gonna get I even got his name Bogle bitch or some bitch bitch there you go he's gonna be named bitch bitch the one who deserves the most brutal death because of it yeah, he deserves the most brutal death because he's the one who fucking killed uh, Jimmy in the first place. So I'm like, he deserved he deserved every bit of carving that he got. Yeah, shit.
0: Um. So yeah, the bodyguard's dead, cops dead, uh, uh Eddie Mac's dead. He keeps the heads though. He keeps the heads alive, mm. and the explanation is he's going to send their souls. Like he's he's keeping the heads alive to keep their souls essentially. Mm. Um. That leads to uh, the kids, Patrick, Bill, um, Taya, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Taya and uh, Cynthia and Pearl. They all go to Patrick's home to get the dad because they know he's next. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, they're a little late. Dad already got took. So that leads to our climax where they go on a rescue mission to save Patrick's dad. Taya and the mom stay home. So it's just Bill. Uh, Patrick, Cynthia, and Pearl, mm. and they come back to the building. And that's when we get your upside down world.
2: <laughs> the city of the dead. City of the mm-hmm. dead. Did, you know, which was already foreshadowed beforehand, but we get everything oh. upside down. And this, also, I forgot, according to color, the use of the blues and the reds mm-hmm. in the cops' death scene were also magna- magnifique. And this continued use of like color imagery goes on into the upside down where everything is very just pink, very oh. just like passionate, very just bright, vibrant pink.
0: On the way to the building, we get our deus blood Machina.
2: Oh yeah. Blood it's Machina. It's never been
0: mentioned before, but the mom's all of a sudden like, Oh yeah. Blood is the connection. Right. The, the soul connection. Uh, so there's gotta be blood in the building. Honestly, I feel get rid like of it the was blood. You get rid of uh, Jimmy Bones. I feel
2: like it was foreshadowed because of the whole like explanation that Cynthia gave about like how there's like one street, two streets. You know, one city has the city of the dead underneath, like has the upside down. So that I was, has like, nothing
0: to do with blood, though. It
2: has nothing to do with blood, the but blood like part it relates to the concept that we're going into. Mm. How it relates because you know it has everything has this polar opposite and then the blood connects the connects everything and Holly's like everybody has like, i think three parts she said two parts i heard three i can't remember anyway that's how i feel like it relates but uh-huh. you know i, I, can, I, I connect kinda, different things i kind of felt yeah. like
0: they wrote themselves in a corner and was like how are we gonna get rid of jimmy bones yeah i think
1: <sighs> this this felt like you know the and and this is Unfortunately, typical in the horror genre, you have sometimes have resolutions that don't quite make sense. Uh, it's more of a resolution of convenience more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But at this point, um, you're already invested in it. I was already invested yeah. in it. I, you know, I, it it was fine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it was fine until Jimmy lost. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we get uh, we get Bill's death. Mm-hmm. He sees Maurice. He 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 goes after him, but it's. If it is Maurice, it's not the good Maurice. It's the other Maurice. It's the upside down Maurice. Mm -hmm. Bill gets got.
2: I feel like the death was (laughs) wasted. I think that you needed somebody to get rid of,
0: just there to add to the kill count. Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: for sure. I felt bad for
2: him.
0: Um, And then we get Patrick uh, and uh, Cynthia. Mm. Uh, The mom's already gone at this point. Pearl. Pearl's already got trapped in the elevator and goes up to Jimmy because Jimmy's already sucked his dad. So the dad gets sucked into I am going to assume this Pun. it's like you were saying with hellraiser it's almost like to me a punishment. Dimension. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. He, he already he puts Easy the- Mac Eddie Mac, not Easy Mac. Eddie Mac in there. He puts the cop in there and now he basically he's toying with the dad.
1: Yeah, the wall of torment essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um
0: yeah. which yeah. I kind of like that he tortures the dad a little bit because it honestly everything goes back to the dad it's the dad's fault he's the one that brought the guys there in the yeah. first place so i do like that and now jimmy and the mom are dancing in this beautifully set room of just red can lit candles and oh uh, that was awesome i love that
1: yeah i looked yeah
0: and especially when like he gives her the dress, and they do like a quick little camera spin where it shows her as her old self mm-hmm. back in the seventies, mm-hmm. looking gorgeous as ever um yeah, and Patrick and Cynthia show up, and that's where things start going bad for Jimmy,
2: yeah, and things start to go bad very quickly, very, very quickly, because and Cynthia basically goes into basically goes into like. Luther Vandross will be proud. Dance, <laughs> dance with my father. Yeah, um, yeah it's revealed
0: yeah. that Jimmy Bones is Cynthia's dad. Mm-hmm. And she kind of gets in, goes into a trance and starts dancing with the dad while the mom stands there. Um, what is Patrick doing? Patrick was doing something.
2: Patrick, honestly, I feel like he... He was getting, he was getting attacked by his dad. Yeah, he was, getting, he was draw, being drawn in by his dad. That's yeah. right. And yeah. then he gets attacked. And I think one thing we failed to realize is that it was already previously revealed by this point that Jimmy Bones was uh Cynthia's uh Cynthia's father. Oh yeah, but but it gets but it basically gets you know shown yeah. and as someone who doesn't even know their father, kind of hit on a little bit. It's like damn, I never knew, and now I get a chance to you know to see him. Yeah, it makes okay. the, makes the heartbreak. It makes the heart. Yeah, it makes it more palpable.
0: More.
2: Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, that was a great scene and then you can tell that there's like a kind of like a almost internal fight going on with pearl because like you can tell that she knows that this is ain't right this ain't right but like she can't help to be drawn in because of the past and like probably like a picture mixture of love and past guilt and i do like the symbolism Mm -hmm. of
0: like she looks in the mirror and sees her old self like her future self yeah but she herself is stuck in the past i like that symbolism of Mm -hmm. her trying to fight to not be stuck in the past to actually go back to her present current time
1: yeah she sees who she really is and and sort of what has become of of all of them because of this this terrible journey that they're on and then she ultimately makes the decision Mm -hmm. uh she's she's the one who finally brings down jimmy
0: yeah um someone soaked her in kerosene off screen (laughs) And she takes a candle and lights herself on fire.
2: Honestly, <laughs> with that blood-soaked dress, I'm pretty sure that that dress was that was made up of highly, highly flammable material because it's the 70s. Everything but was flammable. She
0: but she, she wasn't. wasn't on fire, dude. She wasn't, yeah, she, but like
1: she, she just she blew
0: up. She went up, <laughs>
2: <laughs> baby. That she blew the. That was up. like this we were in the city of dead that was a spiritual fire that's true that's that was true. a very a symbolic, spiritual a fire yeah, spiritual. Yeah, like, and yeah. using fire as a form of i think sacrifice as i think she was trying to cleanse herself yeah. of that sin of that guilt as well as trying to save her save her not only her kid because she said she has nothing else left to lose right she had, like was like saving everybody else and then she knew what she had to do and ultimately we knew that not only that the blood was gonna like get rid of him, but she had to go as well because of the fact that she was part of that sin. So that you know, that almost said the original sin. Yeah. <laughs> that sin. So
0: and now that the connection between that world and the real world is basically burning, basically being mm-hmm. destroyed, the link between the two is being destroyed. So Patrick and Cynthia have to get out of there. Mm-hmm. And Cynthia is actually really sad about it. She's like, no, that's my dad. Like, it, it takes some very, yeah. it takes Patrick pushing her to, to get moving.
2: And that was exemplified in, I think, the scene where they had to fall. Because you don't see her, like, for a split second, you don't see her after he falls.
0: Yeah, no, because it, it's actually kind of clever where they show, like, he jumps. But as he jumps, she backs mm. away. Like, she goes off camera for a minute. And then she comes back. Yeah. And she jumps.
1: But it, it's worth noting um, that, that at this point, Jimmy is also up in flames. hmm Having embraced... His his love, And I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not really sure what his plan was there. But um... I think by that point,
2: I think it was like fire ex machina. Yeah,
0: <laughs> or, or I kind of see it as the past burning for the future to coexist. So it the the flame is getting rid of the entire past.
2: I just, yeah, I think it's like getting rid of the past and is basically old for the new. Yeah, it's basically like an elaborate form of closure for me. Yeah, it yeah. was just a lot of like closure for. You know all of this like built up guilt, all of this built up like you know having your whole life changed and kind of living in this like weird sense of of i'm not gonna say nostalgia, it's just like you're you're just stuck, Eddie Mac was stuck with the way that he dressed, like oh boy was stuck having like having the responsibility to look at uh having to wash the house all the time with the gun. And let's shoot that damn dog. No one was able to
0: move on. No
2: one was able to move on, and the only person who was trying to force himself to move on was Jeremiah, and it did not work in the end.
0: Because the kids went back. So even Mm -hmm. though he moved on, his past was still catching up
2: to him. Do you think it's a bit of fate? Oh absolutely.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: Um
0: Yeah, so Cynthia and Patrick make it out. And but before they make or as they make it out, Patrick has a sigh of relief. But Cynthia's acting weird. A little strange. You know, maybe something happened when she walked off camera for a little bit. Patrick mm. starts to notice. Patrick turns around and is like, hey, are you okay? And she vomits maggots on him. Yes. <laughs> and what was
2: that? What was that thing that uh Jimmy Bones said? Dog eat dog. Yeah, dog eat she dog. She did say, she that, did she say, she? say she? that. Dog yeah. eat dog. Yeah. And the also worth noting the picture. The picture that that um Pearl has carried with her this whole time, the one that looked at her. And I think it did the same thing with to yes, It did yeah. the same thing to, um, blah, 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 to Patrick. I forgot his name around. Like it happens to Patrick. And I think a lot of it was a result of him having some of those souls in him with the souls going throughout his body and all of that. And I think he now kind of has that, a lot of that stuff going on. And now we don't know what happens. Cause yes. the last thing we see is another fucking maggot shower. Yeah.
0: The Good fucking shit.
2: maggot shower ends the film, and you're just like, what the fuck is that?
0: <laughs> I, can honest, I can honestly say that's the most maggots I've ever seen in one film. Um, a lot of maggots. There,
1: there was a, a scene that I thought about while watching all of these maggots from, um, I believe it was the. The Living Daylights or License to Kill it was uh Timothy Dalton bond film. Oh. Where they were hiding drugs in giant crates of maggots.
0: Oh. oh, which Was that License to Kill where I think uh, it might Benicio have Del Toro was the henchman.
1: Uh yeah, it was when he was going up against the cartel and they yeah. were they were hiding. I think the, that's I'm pretty
0: sure that's licensed to kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those are so. actually good. Those are underrated Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. A lot of people, you know, they talk about the Connery era or whatever. No, I really no. don't like the James Bond movies I don't other like... than Timothy Dalton and uh Daniel Craig.
1: Those are those are my two. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah, you. I agree. I oh, think yeah. the other stuff Feel is violent. a little goofy. Yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. I grew up in the in the Daniel Craig era, so that's kind of all I have. That's all you need. Yeah, besides like you know, you seeing you Halle Berry with her titties out, titties out. If you do want to branch time. out,
0: you can get the campiness from Bronson, or you yeah. can get more of the hardcoreness from uh, Dalton. From Dalton, just, yeah. Just don't go further back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so that is 2001's uh, Ernest Dickerson directed Bones.
1: Any, final thoughts, anybody? Yeah, I want to know what your uh, final thoughts are, Rundle um i i actually enjoyed it a lot more than i thought it would it's funny because um back before we had memes um my buddies and i we would make fun of that the trailer for that film um because we used to at the job that i worked um at right out of college there was a guy named jimmy and the the movie jimmy bones came out at the same time so we used to call him jimmy bones And we always used to joke around and go, Jimmy Bones, is that you? We killed you, which is a line from the film. Um, So it's weird now kind of coming back full circle and actually watching the film and going, you know what? This is actually really good. (laughs) Uh, And it has some some really meaningful social commentary in it.
0: Yeah, it really does. Um, I watched this movie when I was a kid. Uh, I I just thought it was goofy fun. I I just liked it, and I remember everyone kind of shitting on it. it. Was like, you actually like that Snoop Dogg film? Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah no. Looking at it now as an adult, because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Looking at it now as adult, I have a good taste.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in it feels like this film itself is a mod- is a modern urban legend in the black community because. I had a, a conversation with my partner, actually, about this. It was like, oh, I forgot that thing existed. And it's like, you don't really think about, like, this era of black, you know, cinema, let alone, you know, black horror. Because when you think of, like, the I call it millennial black cinema. I'm just going to call it like that. You think of comedies. You think of stuff like, you know, Head of State, Black Knight you know, the professor, you think of comedies, the you do films, the Friday yeah. films, you think of like everything that's related to comedy when it comes to black people, like yeah. you know, black films, you don't really think of other genres when it comes to this era, when it comes to like black directors and black, you know, actors. So it was very refreshing to see a film like from this era of horror coming from a black director And having a majority black cast and have such an emphasis on on blackness and the like, a lot of like the relevant topics when it comes to blackness, it felt very refreshing. But also, I was like, seeing the tropes of horror, but with black people doing it. Okay, it's pretty fun. Yeah, not even gonna lie because you know, like black audiences. Like that's all we want.
1: Yeah, it's just representative figures. Like you know, I love. Horror films. The Exorcist is my favorite film, but there are no black people in The Exorcist, you know. Mm-mm. So it's fun to see a horror film like Get Out, like uh, the Candyman remake, where blackness is shown with a certain level of authenticity. Uh, and I think this film somehow manages to do that, even though it is a, a just a starring vehicle for a nineties hip hop icon.
0: Yeah, and what I kind of find sad is the topical message that they were having back in 2001 is still relevant to this day. Oh, yeah. And I find that sad that we're still having an issue like like they were having in 2001, still having yeah. those same issues, still having that same discussion, like – Yep. It's it's just it's heartbreaking.
1: Well, and and that is that is why it is important for more black filmmakers to get opportunities because these are stories that we all know. And when you see something like George Floyd uh happen, you know, the, George Floyd's murder, um you know, Everyone was sort of outraged and surprised, except the black community, because we were like, "Yeah, have y'all not been paying attention to what's been going on in this country?" You know what I mean? Well, and so I,
0: I watch a lot of um, audit YouTube videos. Yeah, auditing has been going on for years, but since the George Floyd thing, it's booming. Like, yeah, a lot of a lot of people that I subscribe to have gotten up to the hundreds of thousands, even the millions. And it's like, this has been going on for a while. They're like, auditing has... For video uh, auditing has been going on since YouTube's beginning. Right. And it's just now getting the recognition. Like, why is it just now yeah. being yeah. talked about? Yeah. So. Um, yeah.
2: It just really goes to show about the fact that we just need more... We need more when it comes to black representation in any kind of genre. Absolutely. And for blackness to just be as normal in these kinds of settings right. th- rather than you know just being like oh this is a concept that we're going to explore we're going to be like so urban kind of shit like that no yeah. and I-, I was talking about um earlier with like with get out a lot of times when it comes to like a lot of like you know black exploitation films especially once everything post shaft and a lot of like the white directed ones they lean into like hood shit like lean into like different to like blackness, but like what the media
0: sees in blackness. And yeah,
2: yeah, baby, we're not a monolith. Like, not all of us are gonna relate to hood shit, right?
0: Well, it's like what we were talking about last week with you know, other than black exploitation, there are no black directed horror movies in the 80s. I couldn't find any. There's only a handful in the 90s, a handful in the millennia. There's horror movies directed towards black audiences. But it's a white producer, a white director, white writers. It's exactly like you said. It's Mm -hmm. basically just you know, hood junk food, and it's kind of it's disheartening.
1: Well, and some of it is very well intentioned. I mean, you look at like the original Candyman as is a perfect example, written by a uh, based on a a story by a a British, a white British writer, directed by a white man. Um, and and essentially told through the lens of a white female protagonist, which is why the 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 remake slash sequel <laughs> um, is a perfect juxtap- juxtaposition that makes the original better because it tells essentially the same story or explores the same mythology but through a black lens. So for me. I am less disheartened. I am, I'm more optimistic now than I was a few years ago um, because the opportunities are there. And hopefully, we'll get more movies like Bones. We'll get more, you know, movies like Get Out and Us and, and, and Candyman and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's fun to be a black genre nerd right now. <laughs> I think uh,
2: one more thing is like, I, okay, you know how we got horror icons, right? I wish that, you know, Jimmy Bones or Seaman man can be amongst those same, like, horror icons.
0: Well, Candyman is, but Jimmy Bones, yes, I agree with you. A hundred percent. We'll
2: get there. We'll get there. We're getting there. But, yeah, I feel like dude, all, we have is, we, all we have is two, like, two that we can talk about.
0: If it makes you feel any better, the if first Xenomorph was a, um, almost an eight-foot-tall uh, Nigerian man. Yeah. So if that makes you feel any kind of better, oh, he doesn't get bit. any recognition whatsoever. No one ever talks about him, but he was a Nigerian-born man. Yeah,
1: Oh that makes and we also better. have cool shit like the sunken place. Like
0: that's yeah,
1: we and have that. Is, that, concept. that is part of American lexicon. The American lexicon right now, and that's from Jordan Peele. You're right because on one hand we have Wakanda, but
2: even though that was technically made by white people, and then we all yeah you're right. So like we have it was like we have modern black mythology now oh, yeah. <laughs> that i think is also really cool because we can create our own mythology based on the fact that we didn't really we had some based off our old african you know heritage heritages which ones that we do know but now as like the black americans we really only have recent stuff to go off of and maybe like a couple of things like seaman but like we don't really have that much of a mythology that people can just like be stands of anymore.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and I wish we had stuff like that. Cause like, there's a lot of horror icons that go from classic horror to modern slashers to shit like trick or treat. And we don't really have the same as, you know, black horror people. Yeah. And I wish we had that, but we do, but we don't, it's like not nearly as substantial as the whole horror lexicon, at least, in america and in the zeitgeist that is the internet so that's my final thoughts um rating rating if uh, you yes. want to even rate this so we kind of go through either whatever arbitrary rating system you want from chicken nuggies to stars to you know whatever thoughts you may have that con- that constitutes a rating so what do you think is your rating for? i
1: will give it um 8.5 pounds of maggots out of 10.
0: i like that yes that's a good one <laughs> uh
1: i'm gonna I'm give that
2: i'm giving mm, on the color wheel about four out of five color wheels i mean colors on the color wheel
0: uh i was very much prepared to give this like a three three and a half stars but this was just me going i really like this as, as a kid it was really campy i can't wait to show this to jay um but after watching it and watching how well it stands up just story-wise uh i'm easily giving this a four you know it it may even be a four and a half just because it's got some rewatchability too yeah
1: agree agree Um, it's fun and it's fun
0: yeah yeah Um, thank you so much good sir for joining us um this was awesome
1: yeah i had a blast thank you for having me thank you for
2: that wonderful use of fifteen hundred dollars it was free <laughs> i did this for free yeah no it was actually free when me and Wonder are really cool so i'm glad that you joined in as yeah. for someone who's as busy and honestly i can say kind of important to the local film industry i really appreciate you for coming in is uh Mr. Wendell Riley, everyone? Yeah. Uh, mm.
0: tell tell the folks where they can find you and what you're up to. Uh,
1: I'm I'm an old dinosaur. I mean, I I'm on Instagram. Uh, I think I'm like Wendell Riley seven or something like that. <laughs> I I'm terrible at this stuff, man. D- I to just be like
0: fair, I have a Facebook and I hardly get on it. So yeah, okay. I
1: I just like making things. I'm I'm uh, working on a documentary film series right now, highlighting um uh Black creatives in the south which is a which is a class that doesn't get a lot of uh attention, particularly folks like us who like mm-hmm. horror films and stuff like that i mean i could I could go toe to toe and talk horror all day um which is you know it's we're kind of like on the fringes, you know so yeah i um,
0: I would love to do that one day I have four hundred plus horror movies, so nice nice <laughs> a lot
1: he's sitting behind his whole horror
2: collection right now and i oh, can
0: there, there's some superhero movies down there just because eventually horror will all be in there yes
2: so yeah there's a lot of horror movies that he would be would love to talk about <laughs> which you show why you should keep on listening to us like our videos give us a thumbs up on youtube subscribe please hit that bell notification yeah please re- subscribe please rate us tell us what you think give us engagement because it helps us grow and helps us get more really cool guests on yeah so that's uh us for that's the episode for today with that's bones it.
0: uh join us next week where we're going to be talking about the 1999 extremely cult classic death by temptation nice Uh, so good I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I'm kind of deterred by it because it is a trauma production. Don't like trauma, but I'm giving this a chance. So join us next week. Watch the movie. Prepare yourself. But until then, I have been Heath. And
2: I have been Jay. And I've been Wendell.
0: (laughs) And this has been Host of Hars.